Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John of PewterReport.com, along with listeners to another edition of the Pewter Report. And we are coming to you live on a Victory Monday, Scott, in which it feels like the Bucks have won again because Giovanni Bernard is a new Tampa Bay Buccaneer as of a couple minutes before this show started. That's he right. signs a one-year contract with the Bucs. Yeah, and uh, and certainly not that much of a surprise because we've done a story on Giovanni Bernard. We've talked about him on the podcast before, John. It makes a lot of sense because they need a running back to replace LaShawn McCoy. They need a, a, a guy that can come in, be a factor catching the ball, and also in pass protection. And right. Leonard Fournette assumed that role – because he was more dynamic than LaShawn McCoy was at age 32. We both know that's not Ronald Jones's forte, but I think that they wanted an upgrade over Leonard Fournette. And, uh, and, and I, I think that some competition now with Giovanni Bernard coming in and competing with Leonard Fournette for those third down opportunities. Absolutely. I think this is a great signing, Scott, because it does a couple things that I really like. It gives you one of the best pass protecting backs in the NFL. We've talked about it over and over and over again. This was a huge area for the Bucs that they needed to upgrade. They just did not have a guy who could do it consistently. Leonard Fournette's career sample size, he's not been good in pass protection. Ronald Jones has been even worse in his career sample size in pass protection. He can't even get in the way most of the time. And so it was a big need. Also, a better receiving back was also a big need. These were two critical areas that I felt like they didn't get better in this offseason. They won the Super Bowl last year despite that not being a strength of their team. Could they have done it again? Maybe, but logic tells us we want to get better at things that we're not good at, even if we could overcome them. So they've worked to get better now at that crucial area. Another thing that it does, it gives you even more draft flexibility. If you don't take a running back in this entire class, it it is not a big deal. Now, they could, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but early in the draft, to me, Scott, at least early in the draft, it takes off the table for the Bucs to, to, to take a running back. I don't think that they'll take one in the first couple rounds. Well, they, they probably won't. But like you said, it, 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 um, it lessens the need for one. But I'll say this, John. Now you've got three running backs, Giovanni Bernard, mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette, and Ronald Jones that are only under contract for 2021. The only running back on this team – I think there's two. I think C.J. Procise, who's, of course, no lock to make this team. Yeah. But he and Keyshawn Vaughn are the only running backs under contract in 2022. So uh, you look at Keyshawn Vaughn. Is this a bit of a telltale sign? It certainly makes his his chances for making the team decrease if they draft another running back to compete. But competition always makes you better. I didn't see enough from Keyshawn Vaughn to get terribly excited about him possibly being a guy that could – either fill that third down uh, running back role, John, or a guy that could team with Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette and help carry the load on first and second down. Right. I mean, here's the other thing with the running back position, Scott. You said, yes, that's true. There's three guys on one-year deals that are going to be your top three backs this season. There's no guarantee Keyshawn Vaughn even is even going to be around, right. <laughs> to be honest. Exactly. Like, there isn't. I know fans get upset when we say that, but – should these moves not tell you fans like what we're trying to say? Like we're trying to tell you Keyshawn Vaughn is not a lock uh, to be a part right. of the team this year at all, let alone see the field. Right. And so 
yeah, we've they've got a lot of things to work through for sure uh, before they get to that point. So we'll see. You know what? And and listen, if you didn't think the Bucks were serious about wanting to repeat, right? They re-signed all their starters, and they got a veteran guy to come in to help that running back room, and he's an upgrade over Lashawn McCoy. So um, this team is in win now mode again. And we didn't, if you didn't know that before, this is just another indicator, John. Oh, absolutely. And I'll have a full breakdown of, G- of Giovanni Bernard coming uh, tomorrow. I've almost got Bucks briefing complete. I might have to switch gears for Bucks <laughs> briefing and go back to the Gio Bernard tape for the article tomorrow. But yes, w- w- again, I think that even though there's those three backs all on one-year deals right now, or one year left on their deals right now, and Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, and, and Giovanni Bernard, I still think there's a really good chance that all three would be cheap next season, even if Ronald Jones leaves, as I expect. Yeah. Choosing between Leonard Bucks to me is probably not going to be a very expensive decision. So I think they're going to have the ability to retain somebody. Yes, they still could draft one if they draft one. That really, especially in the first four rounds or so, I would say that's a pretty strong indicator. Keyshawn Vaughn's uh, going to be up out of here, and so we'll see. It it puts Keyshawn Vaughn on notice at the very least. He's got yeah, to produce. He's got to have a great camp. He's not yeah. a lock to make the roster. He, he probably still makes it given the way things currently sit, mm-hmm. but he's not a lock. I mean, if they go to camp and TJ Logan outplays him, tough luck, bud. Like, you're, well, you know I don't know I mean. if TJ Logan's going to necessarily, you know, be a factor in this at all. And, and and I think too, this could be a situation based upon special teams where the Bucks could carry five running backs this year. John, you could be looking at Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn. Giovanni Bernard, and then another running back that they draft. And that could be the five running backs that comprise this team. We know that that LaShawn McCoy last year wasn't a factor on special teams because of his age. Right. But if you draft a running back, whether it's uh, Javante Williams in round one, whether it's a Michael Carter in round three, whether it's a Khalil Herbert on day three, there could be another running back in the mix that along with Keyshawn Vaughn, um, and and pro- probably Giovanni Bernard, too, helps out in special teams. Giovanni Bernard's only 29 years old. I think he could still contribute there. Still has a little bit of, of uh, you know, juice left. I think he's got some, some fuel left in the tank, John. He had 416 yards in three carries rushing last year. Uh, you know, a modest 3.4-yard average, but he plays in the Bengals. Uh, but he caught 47 passes, and that was the highest uh, catch production that he's had since 2015 mm-hmm. when he had 49 catches. He caught 47 passes for 355 yards, a healthy 7.6-yard average, and scored three touchdowns. So you add it all up, and you're looking at a running back that has over 700 yards worth of production and also put six touchdowns on the board between the air and the ground last year. And and for those fans out there that were pining for James White, from the Patriots, this is that that type of running back and probably a better runner at this stage of his career. Than and James. a better pass protector. Yeah. And a comparable receiver. I don't know, James White. I mean, last year was down a little bit. I, I'm not really quite as sure where James White is at in his career. He, at his peak, definitely a better receiving option than Giovanni Bernard. Bernard, great pass protector, has been consistently good pass protector in his career. That is yes. not very common in the NFL. So the Bucks, I honestly believe that was the biggest reason. I think – when they're able to talk and, and talk about this move, I think you'll hear that said by Jason Light or Bruce Arians, whoever talks about it, that getting a guy that can protect like Bernard was a big right. deal. Also another high character guy, a guy that everybody reportedly loved in Cincinnati. That was obviously there through a lot of, through some 
some low points for the franchise. They never have won a playoff game in the time that he's been there. Um, it makes a lot of sense that he would want to go to a competitor. He's not even that old at this point. I forget. Yeah. He's what is 29. he 29? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say 29 years old. So yeah, he, there's still good football ahead of him. And and so get this one year deal, have an opportunity to contribute really, especially as a third down back. It's a it's a big plus for the Bucks, in my opinion, to be able it to get is. Him on the and field. I agree with you to an extent, John, that, that it, it takes away the need for a running back. You don't have to draft one this year if the yeah. right guy isn't there at the right round. So that compulsion there to possibly take one before round three, you know, that's not there. If you still want to. You can. This is the luxury draft for the Buccaneers. They can mm-hmm. draft whoever they want, whatever position. If they want to add one more back to the room and look ahead for 2022, they can do that. Mm-hmm. But having this guy in the stable takes away that that need, that compulsion to really add another body that can help out on third downs, catching the ball, and also contribute as a runner because right. you know, you've got now three veterans with Rojo, Leonard Fournette, and Giovanni Bernard. Right. And so really, John, this this backfield is energized now with Giovanni Bernard. And we're energized by our good friends at Celsius. John, the refreshing taste of Celsius. It's Monday. It's my orange day. What are you, what are you drinking today? I got some kiwi guava, sparkling kiwi guava to kick there off the go. week. I already I was, had one this morning, actually. So <laughs> I was Celsius. enjoying the Fuji apple pear last week. Uh, now it's, it's the orange. I typically start my Mondays off with orange. If you're not sure what your favorite flavor is, go grab a can of Celsius and give it a try. They've got over a dozen flavors. And I don't know how they do it. It's almost like, like John, they just take some the actual fruit and just squeeze it into these cans because the taste is there. But what's not there is sugar. That means you get the energy without the sugar crash after the three or four hours of that energy boost that you get. And that's what's great. No sugar, no preservatives in Celsius. So you want to go grab a can, not sure where they're sold, go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator. They're going to ask you to put in your address, do that, and you'll have all these different locations pop up, convenience stores, grocery stores, health and fitness stores, um, big stores like Walmart and Target, um, and then you can grab a can and, and see which one you like. And once you know that, then head over to Amazon. And you can do that by clicking the Celsius banners on pewterreport.com. They'll take you to Amazon where you can buy your favorite flavors in bulk and save a lot of money. So make sure you start off your day and your week with Celsius. John and I certainly have. Yes, I have as well. And it's a big reason why I am able to express my full amount of joy and energy over this Giovanni Bernard uh, acquisition by the box. So very excited about that. I think, again, to me, what the biggest thing that it does, Scott, is if you looked at the team and said, what's the biggest need for them going to the draft? I thought it was really biggest need. You could argue whether it was the best value or where they needed to address that need. But the biggest hole for them, in my opinion, was a back who could contribute at a high level in passing downs as a receiver and in protection. Right. And now that to me that is filled. So I am yeah. I am out on running back early. We'll see if the Bucs are again. They have yeah. their options, like you said, to be able to to look over who's the best available. To me, it just opens up the possibility of a trade down even more uh, from yeah. thirty-two. So we'll see now, what happens. We've down. got a seven-round mock draft. You mean trade back? I mean trade round. Yes, correct. Or That's trade what I mean. up. Okay, all right. Trade back. Yeah, yeah. Trade okay. back into the second round. 
let somebody else come up, acquire other picks, either for this year, maybe next season. Not sure what it'll what that'll right. look like, but to yep, me, that yep. might be the way the Bucks go. The thing is, is if the Bucks were to, to keep that thirty second round pick or the the thirty second overall pick, uh, we've got them taking Landon Dickerson from mm-hmm. Alabama in our most recent mock that came out around noon today on pewterreport.com. So let's go through our seven-round mock draft. Uh, Had we known about the Giovanni Bernard (laughs) signing, we might have done things a little bit differently. But the great thing is this is not our final mock, John. We've got another – our fifth and final mock coming out the week of the draft. You kidding me, man? I'm just – I'm really just thankful that this wasn't the mock. We had Javante Williams or (laughs) Najee Harris going in the first round. This whole show would have been scrapped. (laughs) That's true. It certainly would have been impacted. So let's let's talk about that. Uh, Let's let's first uh, show the the mock draft here for everybody. So we have Alabama center Landon Dickerson in the first round. Houston defensive end. He's going to be an outside linebacker for the Bucs, but he played defensive end. He can also maybe play defensive end in Tampa if he adds a little he bit could, more weight. He could kick inside situationally, but, I think, and rush maybe sub-packages. Maybe JPP could too, though. I like That's it. right. He's a player that you and I both like. I think you were on him before I was. I can't. I really kind of came around to him. And uh, so we have him in there as a pass rusher in round two. Round three, North Carolina running back Michael Carter. And, boy, if you're looking for a mentor for Michael Carter – um, who's a dynamic running back, it might be Giovanni Bernard because Giovanni Bernard was basically Michael Carter at North Carolina many, yep. many moons ago back in 2012. UNC, uh, not big guys, but thick guys, well-built, right. small, shorter backs, good pass protectors, good receivers, good runners, but no dominant traits as runners. The similarities exactly. are pretty endless there, yeah. Yeah, so th- it would be a, a fantastic mentor for for him and possibly Keyshawn Vaughn. And then you go to uh, the fourth round, John, and you know a little bit of, of interest here in a guy that you and I really like, Purdue inside linebacker Derek Barnes. We'll talk about him in just a minute, but uh, he would be – and really you look at draft needs. It's not the most pressing need because you have two starters and two very good ones in Devin White and Levante David, but you're going to need another inside linebacker. Why? There's only three on the roster. You only have Levante David and Devin White. And Kevin Minter. So you need at least one more guy to fill out that that roster and help out on special teams. Round five, UCF wide receiver, tight end Jacob Harris. He is a trades guy. 6'5", 219, runs a 439, 40. Then this is probably a guy that, that might be taken out of the mix, either he or Carter with the Giovanni Bernard signing. And that is the offensive weapon, running back, wide receiver, kick return guy from UCLA, Dim- Dimitrik Felton. The Bucks have met with him a couple times. He's been in, in a, a mock draft. We had him as a fourth-round pick in our previous mock draft, but the testing wasn't great. Ran a 4-5-9, and so he's probably slated for sixth round. Then in the seventh round, a couple of, of uh, traits guys, Arkansas defensive tackle Jonathan Marshall, very good athlete, not, not very much production, was only a one-year starter. And then Virginia tight end uh, Tony uh, uh, Polian. So, uh, interesting thoughts there, John. What well, there's some more. There's some more breaking news out there, Scott. I sorry as you were finishing up that mock, I was looking. The Patriots have terminated the contract of wide receiver Julian Edelman as a failed physical. Oh boy! So the speculation is going to pick up on that one um, as right. to whether Julian Edelman will be oh i see people in the chat are already on it (laughs) physical edelman was just caught by the oh boy (laughs) yeah i really don't think julian edelman will be a buck i don't uh if if he is a buck it'll be 
it'll be fully Tom Brady um, just saying he wants his guy. I don't even know. I yeah, it, it, no, because for a couple reasons, it's he doesn't he didn't actually play in the slot as much as people think um, in New England. He he actually play, has played in his New England career. This is gonna blow people's mind. Right. He's actually played more snaps as an outside receiver than as a yeah. slot receiver in New England's offense. Now, New England plays a lot of reduced splits, a lot of moving their outside receiver off the ball, playing their slot on the ball or, um, or on the line of scrimmage. And right. so it's still a lot of clean releases for him. I just don't know where he fits with the Bucs. They like vertical threats. You know, he's right. not that. Uh, they like guys who can create after the catch. He's not that. He's yeah. old. He's apparently fa- failed a physical. We'll see how that process plays itself out and whether other teams end up agreeing or not. But I don't know that I see anything that, you know, he has, he's not been the same receiver for a while. He's dropped a lot of passes the last couple of years. Yeah. He's not a difference maker anymore. They have tons of weapons. Take putting him on the field would take away snaps, frankly, from better players. Yeah. Than Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller and whoever and else really, comes around. The thing so. is, is I, I'm, I'm not a huge Antonio Brown fan, but Antonio Brown is, is, is a better receiver right now at this stage of his career and his age than Julian Edelman is. Oh my and gosh. <laughs> yes. I'm just saying, and therefore that makes AB a better fit in Tampa. And oh, I don't know yeah. if AB is coming back. I, I, right. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, definitely possible that it doesn't We're probably in for the long haul with AB now. It's probably yeah. going to go to like camp. I would guess it's, unless he signs before the draft somewhere, but the money's right. not going to get any better. Like we've talked about and the opportunities aren't going to change until training camp probably. So we'll see what ends up happening with him. Right. Um, I still think AB could be back. I don't know. It's a lot is going to depend, honestly, about does he stay out of the news over the next several months yeah. if it, if it takes until training camp. That's the thing and I'm not sure about. You're exactly right, John. I think you just nailed it right there. There's no benefit for the Bucks signing Antonio Brown right now. You right. literally wait until the day before training camp. If this guy's still available, that's when you sign him. You you make him prove to himself and the Bucks organization he can stay out of trouble. Yeah, because this is a long summer. I mean, we're we're still in spring. We haven't gone through summer yet. There's no benefit right now for a guy that that spent the last what twelve weeks learning the system. Mm-hmm. He knows the offense by now, right? right? Yep, he performed in it. So right now, there's no benefit to having Antonio Brown on your roster. You wait mm-hmm. until he is is uh, playing as a whistle, and then you sign him maybe the day before training camp. Right. It's it's a long haul thing with him at this point, I think. Right. So yeah, to me, I don't I, I'm Julian Edelman might retire, honestly. I I don't know yeah. that I see I don't know that I see any reason for the box to to sign right. Edelman at this point in time. So interesting that it's yeah. out there. We'll probably I'll probably try and write something for this week about yeah. Edelman and a potential Bucks fit and why I don't think it makes sense. But uh yeah, we'll we'll definitely keep our eye on that as it as it moves forward. Uh and we'll go back to the mock draft here in a second because I know we have more yeah. to, to talk about there, but Capo says, guys, if AB doesn't come back, do you think Scotty Miller or Tyler Johnson should be a wide receiver three? I think it should be Tyler Johnson because I think he could be a better all-around receiver. I really think it's going to be uh, different. I think it's going to be both of them splitting the role. If those other top four going into the year think they're going to split the role depending on matchups, depending on the defense that they're playing, um, those kind of things, I think you'll see him split the role. And and you'll see guys move around a good bit. I mean, if Scotty Miller's on the field, I think they'd rather – You'll play right. Mike Evans inside if they need to, then Scotty Miller. And so, um, and the thing too, John, that's what training camp and the preseason are for. You know, and yeah. Tyler Johnson didn't have the benefit of a rookie mini camp or even uh, a full training camp. It was a truncated training camp. It was about three weeks long rather than five. And then you didn't have the preseason. So for Tyler Johnson, he's still in prove it mode. Yeah, he made a couple of great catches. I think there's potential and promise there. I'm not down on him at all, but he's got to show that he can operate in this offense and be consistent. 
rather than a guy that's going to contribute, you know, one catch per game. So he does. And one of the key things with this wide receiver core right now, Scott, is that it's it's finally where I think Bruce Arians likes it to be and that everybody could play yes. inside if needed. Now, Scotty's never going to do it a ton, but the right. other three, you know, Evans and, 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 and John, Tyler Johnson and Chris Godwin, they right. all obviously can play inside. Godwin is going to play the majority of snaps there, but it just allows them to stay really unpredictable on passing downs and route yeah. combinations, things like that. They are harder to scout ahead of time for teams and figure out, oh, this guy's here. They're running this combination. Not always right. the high number of, of, of snaps for Mike Evans last season in the slot. So right. Tyler Johnson, obviously able to play there, played there in college. He can play outside he's, too, he's play outside college. He's a physical guy, and yeah. you have to have that. You have to have that Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Tyler Johnson uh, style body. Uh, with the physicality to get in there and do the dirty work and, and the run blocking because that slot guy, when they're not running out for, for routes and, and to catch balls, yeah. they're a big-time uh, edge defender or even a motion defender coming inside and uh, helping out in the run game. So that, right. that's why Scotty Miller is not your traditional slot guy in mm -hmm. Bruce Arians' offense, and that's why Julian Edelman is not a fit in, in Tampa Bay and the slot because this is a different offense than it is up there in New England. So yep, for sure. And the other thing I'll mention about wide receiver, Scott, while we're on it, before we get back to the mock is that tomorrow, I, well, I think it's tomorrow. Maybe I'll write about Gio Bernard tomorrow or Wednesday. I'll have an article coming out about the Bucks options at the wide receiver position in the draft. If you people remember from last year, I will plug the article again on Twitter and in the article I'm writing tomorrow or Wednesday about the wide receiver position. I, I looked last year and researched what Jason Light has prioritized when drafting the wide receiver position for the Bucks. Some of those things are wide receivers who are at least six foot one, at least 205 to 210 pounds in that range, right. at least run in the four fours, and at least jump 35 and a half inches. Probably might go down to 35 if he needed to, but we'll see. Right now it's been 35 and a half. That's right. been the threshold. Those have been pretty strong indicators. You think he's drafted eight receivers? We didn't have uh, Tyler Johnson numbers from the pro day, but we know his, his weight. He was. No, six two and a half, two oh five. So he's got the side and when they I not maybe not six two and a half, sorry, six one and a half, two oh six, I think he was at his pro day. And he didn't run or anything, but they said they had great time speeds on him. So again, the speed and the leaping ability matter for the box. They don't care about the agility drills for wide receivers, and they shouldn't, because for the most part, that that studies have shown us those don't matter much for the receiver position. So when you're thinking about who could the Bucks draft a receiver, we think along those lines, the size the speed, the leaping ability, and then we'll look at some other things too, and it'll be up in an article, and I'll have several receivers that fit that criteria for people to, right. to think about uh, at that position. Well, right. let's and go back. Can we, is, oh, go ahead. Well, and I was going to say, to your point, the thing is, is you don't have to, to, to re-sign Antonio Brown with some of these wide receivers in this draft. It's a pretty decent crop of wide receivers, and right now, if you really like uh, – Tyler Johnson, I think this team does. You really like Scotty Miller. I mean, that that's four receivers there between your franchise guy and Godwin, your other franchise guy, and your real franchise guy, mm -hmm. Mike Evans. That's four. And then you add another running, or I should say wide receiver to the mix. And you can even draft one early, John. Because Do it in the first round if you want, Scott. <laughs> you could. Because one of these guys, whether it's um, – whether it's Chris Godwin, who's who's on a one-year franchise deal, or whether it's Scotty Miller, who is now entering year three, right? And you may not be able to re-sign him. So you got to keep reloading so you have guys. I think Justin Watson has topped out. I think we've, we've seen what he is. He's a special teams wide receiver. And I don't know that he's going to ever really be a, a big-time contributor on offense as wide receiver five. 
he's an emergency wide receiver at that. So um, I, I think the Buccaneers are open to drafting a wide receiver. You can never have enough good wide receivers for this offense. Right. I completely agree. I think that this there's plenty of options kind of available to them. This, As a matter of fact, this John, we have the Buccaneers drafting a wide receiver or two. Two of them, kind of. Two kind of, of kind yeah. Of. Kind, so, of, kind of zero, kind of two. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So let's let's start at the top, shall we, yes. with this guy that we like, Landon Dickerson. John, why in the world would the Buccaneers draft the top-rated center who's coming off of an ACL injury with yeah. the first pick, the last pick in the 30, what, number 32 in, in the first round, but Tampa Bay's first pick? I texted you before the Gio Bernard trade, about a half hour before the Gio Bernard trade, just thinking through options for the box and thinking about our show today. And I yeah. said the four most mocked players, according to grindingthemocks.com, to the Bucs are Christian Barmore, Davion Nixon, Najee Harris, and Travis Etienne. I don't think the Bucs are going to draft any of them. Even yeah. if they are there, I think they are going to take an interior O-line, a DB, or wide receiver unless they trade back. Wide receivers, the long shot, interior offensive line, or trade back are far above the other options in my mind in terms of what I think they will do. Yeah, I believe, Scott, if he's on the board and if his medicals check out, meaning if there's no prognosis long-term for Landon Dickerson that concerns the Bucs in terms of the injuries he's had in the past, I think it's an ACL in each knee at some point in the last yeah. four years, some nagging ankle stuff, shut him down at Florida State. Then he started 24 straight games at Alabama. Then he got hurt this past season. Right. Recovery seems like it's going great. He was you know, suited up for a snap in the national championship game. Uh, he was at the doing end of the cartwheels, game. John, behind Mac Jones right. at he's, the Alabama Pro Day. Yeah, and he's picking up Nick Saban and carrying him around the field right. after the national championship game. So it seems like things are going well yeah. as long as the medicals check out and he's still on the board at 32, I right. think he's going to be the Bucks pick. The tape is there. The profile is there physically that they like at offensive line. They like big guys. They like yep. big, strong, powerful people movers, nasty, high character, love football. He's all of those things to a T. And I think there's I a decent know. chance he's there. I don't know if there's a player who loves football more than this guy, John. Yeah. He is – He is an, uh, listen, he gets on a Zoom with Bruce Arians and – and Jason Light, and it's probably already happened. If it hasn't happened by now, it'll happen soon. Mm -hmm. And I think it's over. I think it's a done deal. They love this guy. The tape is one thing, but when you get to know his personality, um, and listen, that matters, right? When you're a center, you got to be able to communicate. Yes. You got to be a communicator. You got to be a leader. That's what Ryan Jensen is. Exactly and, right. It, and, and this guy is a communicator to the max. He is a leader to the max. Six foot six. 333 pounds, and, and this is what I love. You had Dane Brugler on the Peter Report podcast a week ago talking about the draft, and, and listen, you and I both have, have had a chance to read The Beast, mm -hmm. which is his over, what, 400-page draft guide. It's fantastic, yep. and this is what Dane Brugler from The Athletic had to say about Landon Dickerson, old school, nasty competitor, and is always looking for a warm body to bury said an NFL scout, he's a foxhole type, the kind of guy you hate to play against but love to play with. And, John, that's exactly what the tape says about yep. this guy. Yep, absolutely. I mean, he is he is what the Bucks look for in every facet as a player, I think. And he's I think he's going to be a great scheme fit as well. I mean, yep. Alabama runs a little bit of everything for sure, but I think he's going to be a very good scheme fit as well. He'll have to learn a little bit different footwork, but – I don't think that's a concern. Again, it's just the health. That's the only yeah. thing. If he is healthy and he's there at 32, yeah. I really think he's going to be the Bucks pick. You I know, know we've got another mock to go, Scott. Yeah. Or maybe we're giving away too much. And we'll see. We've changed our minds before. Right. We always go back and forth until about sure. this time of year. We zero in on kind of what we think. And 
I and just think you know John Jensen's in the last year of his deal, right? And right. so is Alex Kappa, and both is, won't yeah. be back, and maybe neither are back. And you don't want the offensive line falling off in what might be Brady's last season. You want to keep right. that window open. And so he could play guard. He could play center, by the way. So if they wanted to re-sign Jensen, Dickerson could play guard. You know, But they're probably not going to re-sign both. And so then you have kind of – you have that – one of those positions solved, and then maybe they still draft somebody later. Right now, they don't have anybody who snaps as their right. backups. Like that's right. So that's important too. They don't even right. have a backup center, so he gives you a backup at both spots. And with that ACL injury, there's there's the chance that he he can play this season. I mean, the, the timing of it happened in December. He had the surgery. He actually took the snap or two in the, in the final championship game to kneel out the the clock and, right. and run it out. Um, his prognosis is I think he's on track to possibly be ready for training camp or to uh, to certainly be ready for the season when September rolls around. But even if he didn't play it down, uh, you have this guy in the hopper. And you know what? We've always talked about with our offensive linemen, whether they're drafting a tackle or an interior player, that Joe Haig role, right? That, yep. that, that big, beefy offensive lineman, the reserve that comes in and gets some reps as that extra tight end. And if that's the position he plays to get his feet wet while he's learning from Ryan Jensen or Alex Kappa, whether it's guard or center, uh, it would be an absolutely uh, uh, home run pick. And listen, um, I don't think that that um, the offensive linemen, right? They're, they're not sexy picks. They're they're not they're not going to generate the buzz that a Travis Etienne would, right? But but we've had Quinn uh, Miners in a lot of our mocks up until now. Now we're rolling the dice, but I don't think it's that big of a reach, John, with Landon Dickerson. No, I don't. Again, the only way it would be a reach is if the medicals are scarier. But I, I'm comforted that yeah. we've heard nothing leading up. We've just said, right. oh, these injuries happened in the past. Well, I have to see what teams think. But we have not heard anything from big media or anything. And it could be because of the pre-draft process being different. Right. But we haven't heard anything about it saying, oh, this is a concern. The other thing about Dickerson, and some people have mentioned in the chat, I love Ryan Jensen to death. The snaps were an issue at times. Tom Brady mm -hmm. doesn't get enough credit for how right. many off-to-the-left snaps he fielded last year cleanly yeah. and made great plays with them. And it, I don't know that there like was any – was there one fumble? I, I mean, Yeah, I think there was one. Nice. But it, <laughs> it seemed to me that that there was a, an issue there, like a, maybe a health issue with Ryan Jensen. Yes. He, he didn't appear on the injury report. And sometimes if you play through it and you practice through it, it doesn't mean that you're 100%. There We're dropping been, some hints here. We're dropping some hints here. We're dropping folks. some hints. There could <laughs> so, have been an injury with Ryan Jensen, right? So, yes. but like you said, John, there's nobody currently on the roster. AQ Shipley is on the coaching staff, right? Um, you know, they they didn't re-sign uh, Earl Watford. So, in my opinion, I, I think this is a, a fantastic fit for the Buccaneers, and I, I think that he can come in and learn from two veterans in Kappa mm -hmm. and Jensen, and be a factor at right guard or center. And be, yeah, you know, not, be, a, be a guy that can contribute in that that Joe Hague role. It's not very often at 32 that you can get a player that you would feel confident stepping in at any moment right. from a from a physical from a technique standpoint. Yeah. You feel confident stepping in in the midst of a rookie season and playing at a high level if he needed right. to in case of an injury, and then seamlessly kind of being able to be a pivot for Tom Brady. In, in, in what might yeah. be Brady's final season. I think that's possible with Dickerson. I love the pick. I think it, it's a it's a and You know what, John? It, it, his stock is rising, I think, with the medicals, like you talked about. If he's completely healthy, John, this is a top 20 pick. He's not yeah. there for the Buccaneers at 32. I think that the medicals might give some teams pause, but I think right now his stock is up. And speaking of stocks, John, 
Mm. If you haven't had a chance to check out Symbol yet, what are you waiting for? Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol has blended stocks uh, and sports to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off of your favorite teams. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 2,500 plus early adopters, including yours truly here, who have started to invest in their favorite teams. The stock market for sports is just a tap away. Create a free account in seconds. Start profiting from your sports knowledge. It's real simple. To sign up, they're going to give you a $10 deposit bonus when you use the promo code Pewter Report. So go to www.symbol.app backslash Pewter Report to get that $10 sign up bonus. The Simbucks franchise this week holding strong at $43. And as you know, John, their symbol is the proud sponsor of the Bucks Monday Mailbag. If you haven't read that yet, Mark Cook put it out early this morning. So make sure that you check that out on pewterreport.com. John, yeah. I think the stock is rising for another player. Let's go. I, our I did want to mention this, Scott, before you get yeah. sick. It sounds like based on tweets from Mike Reese and, and, and uh, Adam Schefter that Julian Edelman is actually going to retire. And yeah. this is kind of the first step in that process. So it, uh, it makes plenty of sense. Yeah, right, right. I, I think that people are jumping to the conclusions. Um, you know, <laughs> it's you, always you know, fun to speculate, man. <laughs> of course it is. You know, um, we're speculating that that a player whose stock is rising is this guy right here, Peyton Turner. Yeah, this yeah. one's interesting, Scott. I I love Peyton Turner, right? I wrote him up very highly. I think he's actually going to finish as my edge four, I believe. Uh, yeah. Once I factor in his athletic testing, I haven't done that yet. Um, but he tested very, very well at his pro day. Great three cone for being a big guy. Unbelievable length. What, 35 and a quarter inch arms? Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. dude, his arms for days. He's violent. He's physical. Very aggressive. I don't know how fast he is. I don't think he ran the four. I don't know how fast he is, but I think he's very explosive out of a three-point stance. Out yes. of a two-point stance, he's got to work. He's, he's a little bit ants in the pants, wobbling around. He's right. got to get that timing down. But, yeah, man, he is – very impressive on tape. I really didn't see him as a natural fit for the Bucks, but then you kind of talked to me and you were like, "What is a natural fit for the Bucks at edge defender?" <laughs> because we have yeah. they have Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Anthony right. Nelson, and those guys don't look anything alike. And so no, you're, you're right. Yeah, it's been very difficult to figure out exactly the length. Certainly would be intriguing for everybody, yes. and the fact that he's played in a stand-up position. But if they're going to drop 100 snaps a game, I wouldn't see him as that type of player. But then again, I wouldn't have seen Jason Pierre-Paul as that type of player either. So I know. I don't, you know, maybe well, they just you, don't. You mentioned care. you mentioned the 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 wingspan, eighty four inches, thirty five inch arms. He did not run the forty yard dash at his pro day, but when you watch the tape, it certainly seems like he's fast enough, quick enough. And the kid hustles. I mean, he will chase mm -hmm. down plays from the backside. He'll chase ball carriers down the field. He is a high effort, high motor guy. He had a thirty five and a half inch vertical. And so you see some explosion there, bench 23 reps, which is pretty good with long arms, right? I mean, very can, long arms. I mean, we're talking yeah. about a guy who's going to be in the top percent down the league for arm length at that position. There's no doubt about it. And just, just to put it in perspective, Jason Pierre-Paul, when he came out in the draft, he was at the 87th percentile when it comes to wingspan and, and, uh, and arm length. And this guy has longer arms and a bigger wingspan than Jason Pierre-Paul. So that that's crazy probably <laughs> in the 95th percentile all time. Yeah. For, that's pretty wild for edge guys. And, and you mentioned the, the body type. He's got the length that Anthony Nelson has and Jason Pierre-Paul. He's a bigger guy. Um, but he's kind of in between a Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul in some respects. 
and, and also he's a little bit in between because he played at 273, actually showed up at the Senior Bowl at 273, lost a bit of weight, was down to 268 uh, at, at his pro day, probably trying to get a little faster, although he didn't really run. But I, I think he's a guy, when you look at his frame, that he, if you put 10 more pounds on him, I don't know that he loses a whole bunch of, of speed necessarily. And if you get him around 280, I think he could still play there because he's got kind of a lean physique. He's an angular guy, mm-hmm. but thick lower body. And, you know, he could see some time at that four-I, five-technique defensive end spot. I know they need somebody to replace Will Golston, who's entering the last year of his contract. He's 30 years old. So I think he's got some position versatility here that might be appealing to the Buccaneers. And he's a, a player that has a little bit of, of a, a up-and-coming pass rush. He had three yeah. and a half sacks, four pass breakups in 2019. Only played in, in I believe, six games last year, but had five sacks and a forced fumble and had a, a sack on Zach Wilson, had two sacks against Tulane. So I think the pass rush is developing with this guy. Yeah, I, I what I love about him is that I think for a big guy, usually you just see you try to overpower people or you knock guys back and you get those opportunities in, in his conference that you're not going to get in the NFL. But he actually he has that power, that physicality, that speed to power conversion as a pass rusher, but he also will win the edge on you. That's not common. I mean, I, a lot of people loved Marcus Davenport coming out. The Saints yeah. traded a next year's first and that year's first to go up to get him baffling move to me to me i think turner's tape is clearly better i wouldn't trade up two picks in the first to get a go get him but i mean to me they're very similar prospects in a lot of ways except turner is just more violent more consistently physical and that really matters in the trenches he's got that ability to again win the edge with moves and with flexibility and his explosiveness out of a three-point stance if he can get to the same explosiveness if people watch him on tape watch him when he's in a three-point stance compared to his two-point stance get off he, if he can get his two-point stance there, it's going to be scary. I mean, he really is a very, yeah. very talented player, and I thought he did well at the Senior Bowl too. You draft this guy. He comes in. He blocked an extra point last year for Houston. You, he helps you out in special teams and your, your, block, your field goal and extra point block team because of his length and because of his size. He can be a situational pass rusher, and he's learning from two of the best in the game, Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. He's probably the eventual successor to Pierre Paul, who's 32 and has had his second knee procedure in as many years. So uh, I, I think it's, it'd be a strong pick for Tampa Bay should they go there in, uh, in the second round and, and draft him. Mm-hmm. So let's go to the, the third round. Now, you know, can't rule this out, especially because it's round three. We talked about Giovanni Bernard being from North Carolina back in the day as a pass catching running back. And really, John, that's exactly what Michael Carter is. This is a guy that, that just destroyed Miami and Virginia Tech. And as much as you and I like Javante Williams, this was the leading rusher for North Carolina last year. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty funny. It's pretty funny to think about. We've talked about Javante so much, and another guy yeah. wasn't even leading rusher on his team, although it was obviously very close. Yeah. But Michael Carter is the three-down guy. If you ask me who's the better receiver out of here or Williams, I would say it's Carter. And that's very, very valuable to play yeah. running back. And he's a good rusher. 
he, he shouldered a load. Obviously, UNC is a good rusher, and he's a very good pass protector. His tape is littered with high IQ and high effort pass protection reps. Does he get knocked back on occasion because he's only like 200 pounds and 5'8"? Yes, but he's very physical, and you can see in this image. I mean, he's if you're watching the pod, he's very well built. Like He's yeah. not a frail build whatsoever. He's very right. stocky. I mean, you. I saw him interview. He was on NFL Network, I believe, on Good Morning Football, I think, this morning. And, um, man, he is – yeah, he's built. He is a physical dude. Um, there's a lot of confidence. I love – I mean, he's interviewed and he's a lot of confidence. Yeah. So, again, I, I don't think well, – this was, by the way, obviously, this was before Giovanni Bernard was signed by the Bucs right. that we did this. Like This was this morning <laughs> um, that it came out. But So, I do not think they'll take a running back now in the first three rounds. If they did, it would be in the third round. Near the end of the third round, it would be probably the best – available guy at that point in time i yeah. think maybe but it would still surprise me a little bit if they did uh, but you never know like you said they're on one-year deals a lot of these guys so it's still possible for sure and, and the thing is is he had a thousand yards in back-to-back seasons a thousand and three yards three touchdowns with a 5.7 yard average in 2019 and really despite javante williams being in the same backfield he exploded for an eight yard average over the span of the season 1245 yards nine touchdowns javante williams was more of the the red zone and end zone uh, type goal line back had a lot more touchdowns uh, than Michael Carter did, but Carter still found the uh, the Pater nine times on the ground and also caught two touchdown passes. He had 25 catches for 267 yards, averaged 10.7 yards per carry. Uh, that, that's an average that only Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones could dream of, but he's had a touchdown catch in at least one in all four of his seasons and has had at least 21 catches in, in each of the last three seasons. So he's a player that, like you said, can be a factor on third down. He even can help the kick return game a little bit. Right. He's got uh, about, a, a, I think, a 21-yard average. It wasn't spectacular as a kick return guy, but if you're looking for something for him to do as a rookie, uh, I, I think Michael Carter can help you out on special teams as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's uh, definitely a move that makes a lot of sense if Bernard weren't in the fold now. I think it still could be helpful for them. It would be a luxury. Like, it would be very much a luxury, yes. They yeah. would have to really love him above the other players on the board, and even then you'd yeah. have to consider trade downs and things like that. Uh, but, yeah, it's still possible for sure. Um, right. Okay, Derek Barnes in the fourth round. I don't know that they're going to draft Derek Barnes, and I don't know that Derek Barnes is going to be there in round four, but you and I both – really like Derek Barnes, Scott. I texted you about him the other day, the one day, and I was like, dude, I sent you like, it was like late at night. I was watching him for whatever reason. I was sending yeah. you, I think you already sleep. I sent you like 10 clips of Derek Barnes yeah. to make him plays. You woke up and got a highlight reel of yeah. Barnes plays from his all 22 that I was watching. But man, he's very physical. I know you'll probably talk about his wingspan, his length. It's pretty unbelievable for that position, but he's physical. He tested really well. He played some edge defender for them, so he's got situational pass rush ability. I think more as an off-ball linebacker, to be honest. Yes. He just understands creating speed to power. He blew up a running back in one of the games I studied. He's he's just physical, aggressive, range. You see him make plays out the perimeter all the time on his tape. Yeah, I love what he brings to the table. I don't know if he's going to be around four. I don't know if when the Bucs are going to take a linebacker because they have two that never come off the field and a backup they like in Minter, but he definitely would be a value pick, and this is a draft where they're in position to just take value if he's on the board. Yeah, and the thing is, is again, we talked about at the top of the show, you look at the inside linebacker position, they only have three on the roster. They need at Mm -hmm. least four, so they're going to have to draft one. They drafted Chappelle Russell last year in the seventh round. They cut him around midseason. They had to bring back uh, uh, Buchanan, um, Deion Buchanan, 
just for the Super Bowl because Jack Sitchi was was unavailable. You know, he yeah. was always hurt, so they, they parted ways with Sitchi. So they need somebody in the hopper to play special teams immediately mm-hmm. and, and someone to eventually replace Levante David. So why not a player like like Derek Barnes? Um, you know, and and uh, we've got some some comments here. Draft Barnes in round three instead of Carter. That probably makes more sense right now. Probably what we would have done honestly if we had known that Giovanni yes. Bernard was going to sign with the Bucks, um, because I think he will be a third round. Pick. I think he'll be a second or third round pick. Yeah. I know that's probably flying in the face of I think a lot of the simulators out there don't have him until very very late. But yeah, I don't well, think that. That's some intel that that I think Barnes might end up getting into the top 100. So that kind of puts yes. him on the Bucks' radar then in the third round if that's the case. Mm-hmm. And, and this this is a good point from Horace the Great here. You look at at uh, at, at Levante David. You know he I believe he started all 16 games last year, but he missed a game the year prior. Uh, I know Devin White in in two seasons in the NFL has not played all 16 games. Mentors had to step in both as during his rookie season and also last year when when Devin White was out with uh, COVID-19. So you want to have somebody that can handle the load there. And I'll tell you what, we talked about the the physicality. I mean, this guy, you look at his tape, he's got some incredibly long arms, mm-hmm. John. I mean, He's he's only six foot two thirty eight. He played at two forty five. I think he trimmed down to run a blazing fast four or five seven. Mm-hmm. It's not world class speed like Devin White has, but but right now that's probably about what Levante David runs. And so yeah. you look at 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 the the arm length and why is that important? Because he's got thirty three inch arms and eighty one inch wingspan. Those are the longest arms of any linebacker in this draft. And what that allowed him to do was create separation from those offensive uh, tackles. Mm-hmm. When he was a pass rusher, he was asked to move from linebacker to defensive end in 2019. He had 92 tackles and three sacks as a blitzing linebacker and off-the-ball linebacker in 2018. As a sophomore, the coaches said, hey, Derek, we know you can get to the quarterback. We need you to play full-time defensive end. So he did that as an undersized pass rusher. And, John, you show, showed me some of those clips that got me excited about the guy. He reminds me of a poor man's Khalil Mack in, in the way that he just uses brute strength and, and mm-hmm. quickness and suddenness to get into the tackles, drive him back, discard him, and get to the quarterback. He had 11 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, a forced fumble, fumble recovery as a junior. Then they said, hey, Derek, <laughs> we know you got used to rushing the passer, but we really need you at middle linebacker this year. So right. he played his third position in three years, was a team captain, had his first interception, and had 54 tackles in six games. So he really shows you a lot of, of versatility. The guy loves football. He's got an infectious personality. He is a hustle, sideline, and sideline player. He's my draft crush. We talked about it. Yeah. Computer Report Roundtable on Sunday. I wrote about him in the, the Fab Five. Oh, and by the way, why are we talking about Derek Barnes? Because he had a Zoom interview with the Buccaneers last yep. week. We can report that news. Right, exactly. So there's definitely some interest there. I think there is with almost everybody we've looking down the list. Yeah, I think yeah. we've got some some level of interest for sure confirmed with just about everybody on that list almost. Right. And so we are not just going off what we see, although we're excited about some of these players. We're also going yep. off what uh, we hear as well. So uh, we'll see what happens with all these guys. But, yes, moving on from Barnes, who I do think there were a couple questions in the chat actually about Christian Barmore that I wanted to address. Let me see if I can find them and pull them up. Uh, well, D- Derek Barnes, some long lost Glazer wants to know if Derek Barnes will be drafted in front of Dylan Moses. I think that he will be. Yes. And I yeah. think, and I definitely prefer Barnes. 
The yeah. problem with Moses is that it's just so inconsistent, and the injuries have really held him back. So he had the yeah. bit. He was supposed to be high end prospect. Then he had the big injury in 2019. Then in 2020, he was bad. He struggled, and he was right. playing through an injury. I think it was a torn meniscus. I want to say something like that. So, so it's just as he's not been able to stay healthy. The tape has gone downhill. The athleticism seems to be coming yeah. few and far between reps right now. Um, I, I like just think it's Moses. Risky. I love Derek Barnes. Yeah, I'll put it that way. Yeah, D- Dylan Moses feels like he's destined to be a day three pick at this point yeah. in time. I think Barnes will sneak into day day two for sure somewhere. Somebody asked about uh, Christian Barmore. I don't even see it anymore, but they asked about Christian Barmore and if they think he w- we think he will be there at thirty two, and if we think the Bucks should take him if he is. I don't think he'll be there at thirty two, and I don't want the Bucks to take him if he is there at thirty two. I-, I don't. I think he can be a good player, but I don't think it's imminent, and I worry about. I want to know that a guy's all in, baby, and like that he gets it. And I don't yeah. know if that's the case. And I see even on his tape, he's jumping off sides on fourth down. He's he just does a lot of things technically and mentally. You know, he doesn't read blocks very well. He's he's far away from being that kind of a contributor. I think he's a risky pick for whoever takes him. He's talent. He's talent, especially as a pass rusher. I wouldn't like pull my hair out if they took him or anything like that. I I don't I don't think they'll take him either, Scott. Even if he's there, do you? Right. You know, I, I'm with you on that. I don't think that's the case. We we do have a $10 super chat from Toby. Thank you so much. I made a $10 bet Mac Jones would be there at 32. Seems oh, no. at this point, so squaring up ahead of time. <laughs> uh, P.S. Solid uh, free agent acquisition prediction for Bernard. Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I think Bernard's a great fit. Um, yeah. Listen, I think the Bucks like Mac Jones. Another quarterback they like, they do like Kyle Trask. I, I've known about that for a while. Uh, where they like him and how much? Yeah, that's that, the thing. That, that's right. that's going to be the question. But um, uh, could, you know, could Kyle Trask be the third round pick? Maybe. Could he be of interest on day three? I think they'd prefer him on day three. But you know, will he be there? I'm not sure. That's one of the things that Bears talking about, Scott. Honestly, because even though I've obviously seen the camp that they shouldn't draft a quarterback at all, I almost start to think as we get closer and there's no other quarterbacks on the roster other than Brady and of course right. Cam Brady. Um, I, I'm like, man, I just don't know. I think they're going to draft one. Um, I think they're going to draft one too, to, to replace Ryan Griffin in that number three role. I think it's a value thing too, right? Like yeah. I expect playing Gabbert to be back, but like you said, it's a Ryan Griffin thing. And then it's a value thing for them. And they, in their eyes, we don't have any crying needs. Yeah. Even if our quarterback QB three turns out to be a good backup someday right. and we can trade it, it's a trade chip. I get it. Like I said, I wouldn't do it. I don't think the chance of you know some of those guys. And the head coach really is the quarterback to. whisperer, John. He wants yeah. to tutor a young guy. You got maybe that. That's the part that actually makes me think they won't draft quarterback. To be honest, because I don't know whether Bruce Arians will even be there long term to tutor the guy that they would take or to fit to an offense. You know, yeah, it could be a new Byron Leftwich would get a head coaching job next year if the offense is good again. Right. He probably will, and so. There could be no none of the offensive minds that are currently there. So we could be drafting a quarterback for an unknown, you know, That's fit right. for an unknown coordinator or coach someday. So it's it's a lot um, to project. It's just yeah, yeah, I wouldn't do it. But again, it's one of those things that I could right. definitely see them doing it. Not in the first round. That would shock me. I know people have said either Davis Mills has been floated there. That would fool no, me. That's, um, that's not happening. You yeah, that's not much yeah. on that. But. I, I do see them uh, drafting a, uh, another player, a couple of players, maybe on the offensive side on day three. Let's let's go back to our, mm-hmm. our mock, John. In the fifth round, UCF wide receiver, tight end, Jacob Harris. This is a player you kind of turned me on to Peyton Turner. I kind of turned you on, I think, to, yeah. to Jacob Harris a little bit. This guy is really interesting. Dane Burglar's about- number seven tight end, by the way. 
Yes. Now, it's a little funny, right? Because this is a six foot five, two hundred nineteen pound right. tight end. You know, I've seen Tanner Hudson up close, John. You've you've had not had the chance to to meet him yet, but Tanner Hudson is not exactly the most physically uh, uh, overwhelming person. From a, you look at him and you think he looks like a big wide receiver rather than a tight end. Mm-hmm. And Tanner Hudson's about 240-some pounds. But this is a guy who's about 20 pounds lighter than Tanner Hudson. But what, what you do like about Jacob Harris is 6'5", 219. We talked about Dane Brugler's uh, draft guide, the beast. And this is what Brugler had to say about Harris. He has the temperament needed to block at a high level. UCF coaches have praised his work ethic and – get better everyday mindset. So I think that the interesting thing about Harris is you could keep him at wide receiver uh, at that size because he's actually probably on par with Mike Evans from a build perspective right now. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say that is because he ran a 4.39 40-yard dash at his UCF Pro Day, and he had a 40-inch vertical and he had an 11 one-inch broad jump. This guy is a tremendously gifted athlete, and he's a deep ball threat. He had 19 catches for 488 yards. Well, you haven't even mentioned the most insane statistic from his athletic testing, his three-cone. He That's ran a six-five-one three-cone, Scott. He is yeah. 6'5", Yeah. When you talk, he is tier one athlete like yeah. here and for this draft or for any draft <laughs> for for real. And the thing is, is you know, he's undersized for the tight end role, but he's kind of perfect size if you want a big wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He averaged twenty three point six yards per catch with one touchdown as a junior. Then his senior year, he had thirty catches for five hundred and thirty nine yards, and his lofty average fell, you know, from twenty three point six all the way down to eighteen yards per catch. That's still a tremendous number yeah. for a wide receiver, regardless of size. And he caught eight touchdowns. He destroyed Taylor Jenkins, US, uh, USF uh, Bulls. Taylor, Taylor Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, five Got catches, him. took a shot at him. Yards, twenty-two yard average and three touchdowns. So th- this is a player that that um, that on day three you need to have him come in and help on special teams, and that's what his role was in twenty eighteen. He had seven special teams tackles for the Knights. And a fumble recovery. And the coaches love his his work ethic. They love his special teams prowess. So he's a developmental guy that can come in with more upside and more speed than Justin Watson. He can replace him and, and help out on special teams. For sure. The concerns are, I mean, you've a guy who barely has played football. Uh, he's not caught a pass at a game at any level, Dane wrote, until his junior year at UCF in 2019. So right. he is extremely raw. Make no mistake, if he if he came to Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he would 100% be a wide receiver. They, they This is not a tight end. This is not an offense that would use a tight end, an undersized tight end or a tight end that has this little experience. It's a very complicated yeah. offense for a tight end. He would be a wide receiver. He'd be a gunner probably. He would be a yeah. special teams impact guy, which is critical at this point in time, especially right. with losing Ryan Smith. So I think you. I love the fact that Dane highlights his effort and the fact that it'll work really hard. He's 24 years old on draft yeah. weekend. That's a concern too. For to be as old as he is, one of the oldest prospects in this class, and be basically totally, almost totally inexperienced, it's concerning for him ever reaching anything other than a special teams type of role, which right. is fine. I mean, I mean if that's I what you get. This. That's great. The Bucks do have a similar 
uh, type of athlete. Now, he is a legit tight end, Cody McElroy. He didn't mm -hmm. play last year, but he was signed to the practice squad in 2019. He actually had one catch for, I think, 30 yards in, um, in maybe the season finale or, or the, the game before that. Cody McElroy is 28 years old. He's on the practice squad. So mm -hmm. It's rare that you have a, a practice squad guy at age 28. It's true. But, but, he stuck uh, around, and Jacob Harris could stuck stick around, around too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but again, it would probably be – as a wide receiver because yeah. and again let's talk about what we just mentioned right six five two nineteen the size yeah. is there the in terms of the athletic testing no question four four forty flat uh forty and a half inch vertical box yeah. checked even his broad jump which I read a little bit about too eleven one over would be the best broad jump of any receiver they've right. lights ever drafted. So I mean guy. all the boxes are there. Yes. In terms yeah. of traits and, and day three guys you take a flyer on the yeah. boxes are there. It's very much a flyer. Right. So the one thing that Giovanni Bernard's signing does is probably take them out of the mix if they were to go and stay with running back. And Michael Carter, if they thought it was a value worth taking the third round, probably wouldn't draft Demetric Felton, who is a running back, wide receiver, kick return guy. I wouldn't rule it out. They might take him in, in on day three if they don't take Carter because this is a guy that – is a bit of a jack of all trades. He's a weapon. We know the Buccaneers have had a Zoom call with them. They met with him at the Senior Bowl. So there is some interest there. They've met with him twice. But the thing with Felton is he played wide receiver for a couple of years at UCLA and and also was, was given some carries, but really became kind of their primary running back. Uh, or at least a guy in the mix as a senior, 132 carries for 668 yards, a 5.1 yard average, five touchdowns, and caught 55 passes the year before for 594 yards, a 10.8 yard average, four touchdowns. Then as a senior, added 22 catches, 159 yards, 7.2 yard average, three touchdowns. He does have a kick return for a touchdown in his on his resume that happened in 2019 against Washington State. And, John, he went to the Senior Bowl where he upped his stock a little bit, really playing that kind of slot wide receiver. Um, but really it's the athletic testing that that has taken that stock from the Senior Bowl where it was on the rise and kind of lowered it a little bit because yeah. he ran a 4.59 time in the 40-yard dash. And the problem is he's 5'8 and a half, 189 pounds. He's work done size but without work done talent, John. Yeah. And we know the Bucks have interest. I mean, we know they've talked to him, and we're kind of playing that angle. But I think I speak for both of us when I say I'm not really sure I would be fired up about a Demetric Felton pick. Yeah. There's not really refinement in any position. At right. this point, running back seems out for him, and especially if you were to go to the Bucs, I don't know that it makes much sense. He would have to learn so much pass protection. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, there's – when would he see – now they've signed Giovanni Bernard. It seems like right. that's a long shot. The wide receiver we've talked about, he's 5'8", he's 189, he ran 4'5", 9". You know, he jumped 31 and a half. He doesn't fit anything that they look right. for. He would be a very Kalen Clay-like yep. pick, if you recall. It would be – he's being drafted for returnability, and he doesn't return punts, and that's the only yeah. thing that's valuable. Anybody can do kick yeah. returns really these days. Well, yeah, it's punts, and he doesn't do that. So You need a punt returner because everyone's you know got the touchbacks going with the kickoff specialist and all of that. So oh, It's funny know. people are tuning into the show and haven't seen that the, they weren't here earlier in the show, and they haven't seen that the Bucs signed Giovanni Bernard, and we're yes. mentioning it offhand, and people are like, Gio, what? Like they're all confused. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. But, yeah, right. I, 
I think you and I know that there's interest in Felton to a degree, at least maybe the Bernard move, maybe they saw him as a running back and Antonio Gibson, you'll right. make up pick for them. And now it's, they, they're, they're out on that. And, and maybe our next mock will reflect that. I'm not sure I see the, the Felton thing that the Bucks yeah, maybe have I seen. Agree. He fits more of an – looking at his measurables, his production, I know he did some impressive things at the Senior Bowl, but just knowing what the league values, he's a gadget guy that isn't a very good athlete. I mean, he didn't test well in anything as an athlete, nothing. Right. And, and he's small, and he doesn't play a position. Yeah. That's an undrafted guy almost every single year with his with his minimal yeah. production. Uh, so I think he'll be undrafted still, but we, we are playing right. the odds here that they have shown some interest there. Yeah, and and listen, we're talking about a late sixth round pick that's here, right. which is almost around seven. So that's that's, right. that's probably about where he would be drafted. Right. You throw out a lot of those measurables at that point yeah. for some teams, and you just take a guy if you liked him on tape and see what yeah. happens. Exactly. Um, going to the seventh round now. The Bucks have two picks. They're late picks. We have them taking Arkansas defensive tackle Jonathan Marshall. And again, John, you're looking for traits. And the interesting thing mm. about Jonathan Marshall is he's he's got some interesting. Uh, measurables and athletic traits. If you go back and look, yes, Jason Light drafted Vita Vea with the first round pick, but he's also drafted three defensive tackles on day three. Stevie Tuikulavatu was was one of the first ones a couple years ago. They drafted um, Terry Beckner Jr. from Missouri. He didn't end up sticking on the roster. He was a seventh round pick. That was two mm-hmm. years ago. They drafted Khalil Davis from Nebraska last year. He saw some spot duty as a sixth-round pick. But they still, when you look at, at Ndamukong Sue, um, <clears throat> Will Golston, they need to find some younger defensive linemen. And this is not a good defensive tackle class at all, John. We beat that horse to death last week on the podcast. Yes. So why not take a young developmental guy to, to kind of team with or pair with Khalil Davis or compete with? Khalil Davis. And uh, the interesting thing with, with Marshall is really the testing. 6'3", 310 pounds. Uh, he ran a 4'8", one time in the 40-yard dash. That's pretty good. He also showed some strength with 36 reps on the bench. So he's got some some strength and some size and some speed. What he doesn't have is his experience. He was a first-year starter in 2020 after seeing spot duty his first three years at Arkansas. And, you know, Arkansas didn't have a ton of great talent ahead of him, so maybe he's a late bloomer. But he had 35 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, one sack, a pass breakup, a forced fumble. Uh, but he was a team captain. So there's maybe some some tools to work with there, can can come in and, and compete. You're looking, again, for traits guys on day three, guys that might make the, the roster and help you out from a depth perspective mm-hmm. or in special teams. Right, exactly. And that's why, I, you know – I think that there's a level of, of of that that makes sense for a lot of these later picks that we have, to be honest. I mean, you know, if you look at a guy like Marshall, it's very much traits. He could honestly come off the board earlier than this just because of those traits in a class that isn't very good. I mean, I know, like you said, the, the production is very poor, basically. Yeah. But he's a captain his last year, and, and he's got this enough length, and there's athleticism there, there's speed, uh, there's explosiveness in his game, obviously strength – you know, I think that he just had technically, mentally, those things have yeah. to develop for him. The other tough thing is that he's he turns 24 like in week two of the season. Right. So, again, with a guy that's traits, you want him to be younger. Yeah. And, and that might push him down the board into more of this round seven range. Right. And then you, Tony Poljan, the last guy off the board, we get a future tight end, right, Scott? Yeah. I mean, 
We get a blocker here. What's what's the deal with Tony? Yeah, Coles? he's more of the traditional tight end, right? So I mean, maybe you could use uh, Jacob Harris as a spot guy, maybe as as a slot guy, you know, to help with blocking. But he's not an inline blocker. Two hundred nineteen pounds. Right. Uh, Tony Poljan is an inline blocker, almost six seven, six six and a half, two fifty one. I think he lost some weight to help with his times for his pro day, but he was going to play closer to two sixty. And he's a young developmental guy at the tight end position. He started off at Central Michigan as a quarterback, mm-hmm. played there his first two seasons. Uh, but when they used him, uh, you know, as a tight end, he produced. He averaged 19.4 yards on five catches for 97 yards as a freshman, his sophomore year, seven catches, 125 yards. That's an 18 yard average, two touchdowns when he wasn't playing quarterback. So they said, you know what? You're not that good of a quarterback. Two touchdowns, five picks. We'll move you to tight end as a junior. And uh, and he caught 33 passes, 496 yards and four scores, averaged 15 yards per catch. Then as a grad transfer, went to Virginia where he caught more passes, 38 receptions, 411 yards, averaging 11 yards per catch with six touchdowns there playing in a better conference in the ACC. So I think that he's a player that that could be in the hopper. John, you look at the fact that Rob Gronkowski is is in a is in a contract year signing a one year deal fifth year option year for OJ yeah. Howard at the tight end position is he going to stay healthy is he going to remain a Buccaneer Cam Brate turns thirty on July third and he's going to make the team this year but you know he's got a very high cap number coming up the last couple of years of his contract he's not a lock to be on the roster in twenty twenty two then you got a player like Tanner Hudson who really just hasn't really put it all together yet. He's also in a contract year. So right. it could be starting over at tight end. You could have Cam Brate next year and nobody else. So I think uh, putting a young tight end like like uh, Tony Poljan into the hopper to replace an, an Anthony Outlayer, that might be a good mix. Mm-hmm. And again, helps you out in special teams. You're always looking for those running backs, wide receivers, cornerbacks, tight ends, linebackers. Those are the, the coverage guys that you're going to need to cover uh, kicks and punts on special right. teams. And it would be a shock if the Bucks went into the 2022 season without Gronk, O.J. Howard, or Cameron Braid on the roster. But if you lose two of the three and Poljan's a capable blocker, that's what you I mean, that's your number two or three tight end, and you and you can yeah. go with that for a season. You know, not most teams don't have a tight end number three that anybody's even heard of. So right. if he can block and just do one thing well, block and just catch underneath, make a couple catches in the red zone when people forget about you on a play action pass, that's what you need from that position. Yeah. So it's smart to find a little bit of value like that late in the draft because those types you can just do one thing well like that, especially in an offense like this that asks their tight ends to block a lot. I think it's pretty smart. That allows me, Scott, to be able to address the Cam Braid thing that has somehow bubbled under this huge rumor. I haven't even told you about this, but I was on the pod last week and everybody was losing it. They thought Cam Braid, I wasn't on the Cam Braid pod because I've I've talked about, I guess I'm not the only one, but I, I've talked about the Bucks potentially cutting Cam Braid <laughs> before free agency and then maybe him taking a pay cut. Um, yeah. But I, that was not the reason. It was actually Britt's birthday that day, so my That's wife's right. birthday. So I was I was planned to be off the show before we even had Cam Brady as a guest that day. So right. um, there was no way I was going to be on that show regardless. But yeah. I love Cam, and it was a great time, show. If memory serves in both my uh, Bucks battle plan and also Mark Cook's, we also had Cam taking a pay cut. So I think yes. you were cutting him out right. But we were really no friends of Cam and our Bucks battle plans. I can't remember if I was cutting him out right or I was giving him a pay cut. I don't remember. Yeah, it might have been Mark who was cutting him. I don't know. But but because, uh, all three of us, all three of us were doing Cam Brate dirty. 
right? In, right. in our Bucks oh, yeah. battle. And, well, and thankfully for Cam, so far, no pay cut. So exactly right. The fact that it's gone this far is good. Good sign for Cam yes. that it, they'll yeah, be. Yeah, as to... Cam even was, we asked him the question on the podcast, and he made some news and said. You know, no news is good news, so he hasn't heard anything. So right. hopefully Cam Brake can be rewarded for having a, a good year and, and really replacing O.J. Howard right. as tight end, too, and catching a huge touchdown in the NFC Championship game. So um, I'll so, also yeah. just say this, Scott, that if the Bucks go into next season and they're paying their number three tight end $6.5 million, right. first of all, that will be just bonkers. Yes. Second of all, like that is going to send a big message to everybody – People will get in around the league, no matter what. Yeah. Like to be committed like that to that degree that they've moved around money and did void yeah. years. They could have just cut their number three tight end or pay cut their again, you know, and right. again their number three tight end like they did last year. The fact that they did that after Bray played the role that he played in the playoffs, you know, right. which was obviously admirable. It says a lot about this team in the front yeah. office, I think. And we'll see what happens. Obviously, money's money. At some point, you got to you know move things to make things happen and. You know, like I said, we'll just have to see. But right now, the fact that they've clearly made it the last resort to do that for Cam uh, shows they really, they really love him. Charlie Abrams, by the way, is literally this guy. This guy honestly loves Cam Bray to a degree. Yes. Look at it. Can't get rid of bunch of punks here on Peter. That's Report, true. Can't That's get true. rid of Cam. That is true. John. Punks. John. Speaking of cut. Oh no. I'm I'm here oh, no. to let you know. That uh, with, with the first pick of the 2021 men's grooming draft, the Ball Saxonville Sagwires <laughs> selected Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist grooming. Looks like Mel Kuyper gave this an A plus grade because this pick is a major upgrade for that Bush defense. For all of my NFL draft fans out there, we've got an exclusive 20% off promo code pewter at manscaped.com. So the reason why Manscaped is the guaranteed number one pick is because of the performance package. You've heard me talk about it, John. You've got a performance package. So do I, thanks to our great friends at Manscaped. This is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Inside the performance package, you'll find products and liquid formulations that have been developed to turn your bathroom into a salon for your balls. This package also includes the Weed Whacker, Nose and ear hair trimmer, which I use and I know Mark Cook uses as well. I can confidently say this is the best tool on the market for nose and ear hair. It's not going to pull or snag. It does the job every time. And it, it comes with a complete rechargeable uh, mechanism. So you can always take this on the go. Now, imagine showing up to your post-quarantine date with some nose pubes popping out. Not the best look, fellas. The performance package comes with performance boxer briefs, which John, I happen to be wearing today, and they're quite comfortable. They're great. Epic. And a travel bag. They call this the the shed to use when you're done quarantining. And some other liquid formulations like the crop preserver and the crop reviver. Okay. The crop preserver, this is the anti-chafing ball deodorant that ensures that your balls smell amazing. The lady, ladies in your life, they're gonna love this. Now the crop reviver. This is spray-on toner for your balls. Yep, you heard it right. It's made with the soothing aloe and witch hazel extract that will make your ball uh, feel like Brady after a little avocado tequila. <laughs> for a limited time, buyers of the performance package receive not one but two free gifts. They, they receive the Shed travel bag, $39 added value. And this is a quality travel bag too, by the way. 
along with the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. John, I haven't told you this. I'm actually probably going to go to Manscaped and buy a couple more pair of uh, boxers because they sent us <laughs> this as a free one. Out of all my boxers, and I love wearing boxers, these are the most comfortable. Would you agree? Oh, yes. They are unbelievable. They're legit. I, <laughs> I would not even – I laughed when you said that, but honestly, I'm not even surprised. I would be completely fine with that. Yeah, exactly. So support the show and get 20% off plus free shipping by using their promo code pewter at manscaped.com. They also have a ton of other amazing men's hygiene products on the website from disposable mats for your pubes to foot deodorant. And, and again, we still have some of these fantastic looking pewter report t-shirts. So we got these white, gray, and black in all different sizes. We're going to throw in one of these for you for free. That's not on manscaped. That's on us. And all you have to do is when you place your order, just email me at sr@pewterreport.com. That's sr@pewterreport.com. Easy to remember. Email me your proof of purchase. Doesn't have any of your credit card information on it. Don't want it. Don't need it. But it has your address. That's what I need to send you one of these these shirts. So make sure you let me know what color you want and also what size you wear. We'll get one of those sent out to you in just a couple of weeks. So again, twenty percent off, free shipping with the promo code pewter at manscaped.com. It's time to upgrade that defense with Manscaped. It's going to be a great week on the Pewter Report podcast, Scott, and not just because of that ad read, although that'll catapult us nicely into the rest of the week. Uh, we've got lots to talk about with the Giovanni Bernard signing with some of these wide receivers. We're going to be writing about these wide receiver draft prospects. We're going to be writing about a Pewter Report. We're also going to be kicking off very soon our uh, positional previews and Bucks best bets. So we'll have that to write about at pewterreport.com as well as to discuss on the podcast so there will be tons of great stuff coming up and on thursday matt waldman the godfather himself is joining the podcast to talk draft prospects especially for the bucks but we'll talk dra bucks oriented draft prospects uh with matt waldman on thursday on the podcast 4 p.m eastern tuesday wednesday and thursday we appreciate y'all joining and jumping in with us as always on another edition of the pewter report podcast out out